work that's going for you. Pushing through fear, what a befitting song this morning for our message today, pushing through fear. So we've been studying Nehemiah and Ezra, um, and we're all familiar with, with those um, books um, and familiar with what's taking place in those books. And so um, we um, know that the sons of Israel are going home. They've gone home to Judah, um, and they're going to rebuild the temple. Um, this is a time of spiritual restoration. Bishop has been talking and preaching and teaching about the spiritual restoration going on in Ezra um, and the restoration going on in the book of Nehemiah. And in chapter 3, the work begins. In chapter 3, the work begins. So first, they're going to build the altar in order to offer sacrifices and worship to God. The scripture says that this is the seventh month, and the seventh month is a very important month on the Jewish calendar because this is the time of year where there are a lot of religious ceremonies um, according to the law. So the people are concerned here with keeping the law. Amen. So in verse 3, it says that they were fearful, meaning there was some vulnerability there. Amen. Seeing as how they were doing the work of the Lord, um, and there were already others who were in opposition to what was being done. How many of you know the enemy opposes the work of the Lord? Amen. The enemy opposes the work of the Lord. So the scripture says that despite their fear of the peoples around them, they built the altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord. So what exactly is fear? So if you look in the dictionary, you might see this definition. Fear is defined as an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous likely to cause pain or a threat. Now, the word in Hebrew, which in this particular verse, the, word, the, the phrase is um, translated as be'imah, which means terror or dread. So they were in terror, okay? Um, but look at somebody and say, fear exists, but so does my God. Fear exists. The spirit of fear exists, but so does God, Okay. So in spite of the fear that the Israelites were experiencing, they had a strategy. They had a strategy. And so their strategy was to respond with a posture of worship and respond to obedience to God's law, to God's words. Responding with a posture of worship and responding in obedience. So we are to worship and obey at all costs. Amen. At all costs. So they had some real threats from some real enemies, but they served a real God. Okay? They served a real God. And so what else did they do? What else did they do? So the scripture tells us that um, the spiritual restoration that's going on, this is God ordained. This is God's work. This is the Lord's work. And God has been in control the entire time orchestrating this restoration. So it's the Lord's doing. Um, he was the one who touched the heart of uh, Cyrus to even approve the journey. He was the one who made way for this turning point in history, this return from exile. So this tells me that my God is well able. He's able and that he is a keeper. So that's God's character. God's character. He's well able and he's a keeper. And then in Ezra 3 and 11, it says that the people praised God and said that he is good and his love towards Israel endures forever. So we know that the character of God is that he is good and that his love endures forever. Now, if you look in the book of Psalms, the 27th chapter, if you look at verses 1 through 3, David says this. He says, the Lord is my light. And my sound devour me, I be afraid. 
When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break against me, even then I will be confident. I will be confident. So we hold fast to what we know about the Lord from the scriptures. So the scriptures say that he is good. He loves us. He is our light. He is our salvation. He is a stronghold. He makes us confident. This is who, we, who he is. So we have no reason to fear. We recognize that fear is a tactic of the enemy. Amen. It's a tactic of an enemy. It's meant to choke out your destiny. It's meant to choke out what God has in you, choke out your purpose. It's meant to stifle you and keep you from moving forward. And we've all experienced it. We've all experienced that. It's meant to, and it's meant to diminish your trust in the Lord. The enemy doesn't want you to trust God. So he puts fear in you to snuff out that hope and that peace that you get when you do trust the Lord. He puts that in you. So, you know, fear is something that tries to travel with you. It tells you, nope, we're not doing that today. Maybe another day. It makes you believe that uh, a task is, is insurmountable. That it's something that you can't conquer, something that you can't do. It says to you that you are not enough. You're not enough. It tries to debilitate you. It has tried to debilitate me. I can be honest about that if we can be honest. So, the Bible says that the Lord has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. And it says that in 2 Timothy. It says that in 2 Timothy. So this scripture lets us know that fear is a spirit. Fear is a spirit. And you must respond to fear with what? With faith. We respond to the spirit of fear with faith. Faith in the fact that whatever you are fearing is not bigger than the God that you serve. So they were able to worship in spite of fear because they knew that, that those enemies were not bigger than the God that they served. So whether it is that you live in fear that, God, these bills won't get paid, whether you live in fear of what's unknown, whether you live in fear of failure, whether you have a fear of sharing the gospel, or whether you have a fear of rejection, because we know that that can happen, Fear is not the Lord's portion for your life, saints of God. It's not the Lord's portion. The enemy desires that you quit and that you give up in the face of fear. Um, give up before success is birthed in you. Um, but that success is for the Lord's glory. It's not for just us. So we cannot quit. It's not the Lord's will that we quit. And the Israelites did not quit. They did not stop building at that point. They kept going. They were determined to worship in spite of the fact that their enemies posed a big threat to them, a significant threat that in all likelihood would delay and disrupt their rebuilding efforts. But they pressed forward. So God wants us to not stop but keep going, not stop but keep going. So you, you sometimes can allow fear to slow your movement. Or you have a choice. You can keep moving in spite of you can keep moving in spite of. So we all know, already know that when we are walking in obedience and doing the Lord's will, there are going to be counterattacks. There will be counterattacks because the enemy is on his job and we must be on our job. And we must be in a posture of worship and a posture of obedience. So then, soldier, what is your strategy? 
What is your strategy? So we got to stay focused. We got to stay focused. Okay, we have to have a counterattack of, no, I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. And I'm going to get this done step by step. I'm not going to allow fear to hinder me. I'm more than a conqueror. Glory to God, we are more than conquerors. The Lord loves me. The Lord has a plan for me. We got to speak that thing over ourselves so that fear doesn't take over. We, we thank the Lord despite what the situation looks like. We have to give God the praise and the honor and the glory. Now let's jump, jump down to Ezra 4 and 4 with me. Jump down to Ezra 4 and 4. So it says, Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. Okay? So this is a tactic and a plan of the enemy to disrupt the restoration. Amen? So in addition to this, there was some... There were some tattletales. I, when I read this, I, I thought about it, and I said, man, there were some tattletales um, in the book of Ezra. Some tattletales um, trying to stop the work of the Lord from going forth. So um, we read that also in the chapter 4 that Rahum, um, you can read this in verse 8, Rahum and Shimshai got together with some others, and they wrote a letter to King Artaxerxes. And the, the purpose of the letter was to thwart the plans of God. That was an attack. The, the purpose of the letter was to thwart the plans of God. And so it appeared to work because the building of the temple came to a halt. The building of the temple came to a halt. But we already know that what is God ordained cannot be hindered in your life. What the Lord has ordained cannot be hindered. Okay, he, We're already going to have the victory because of who God is. So remember I said that we have to stay focused. Okay, So um, Zerubbabel and, jo and Joshua... Um, in the book, uh, in the fifth chapter, they heard from the prophets, and they got to work again. But we need to understand why they had to hear from the prophets. So let's go to the book of Haggai. Go to the book of Haggai, the first chapter. We're going to read verses 1 through 4, and then verse 9. So in the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josedak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? The ninth verse. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty. Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. The people got sidetracked. Sometimes we get sidetracked when the Lord has given us something to do. And we're living in fear because all we can see is what's not going to happen. And all we can do is be encompassed by the thought of failure that we sometimes get sidetracked from what the Lord has called us to do because of fear. And so we have to remain focused. The Jews, they lost focus. And everything became about them. Things were self-serving. They had put themselves before the Lord's work. And we can't put ourselves before the Lord's work. We've got to walk in obedience. Okay, They allowed the spirit of discouragement to creep in. They allowed it to come in, and they got too comfortable with not doing the Lord's work. 
We can't get comfortable with not doing the work of the Lord. When you are not walking in obedience, that should not be a place of comfort. That should be a place where you experience some conviction. We can't get comfortable not moving forward and doing the work of the Lord because of fear. They have become complacent. And sometimes we get real complacent. We get comfortable. We convince ourselves that where we are is just all right. And we don't move forward for various reasons, fear and other reasons. But we cannot get complacent, okay? Look at what verse 13 says. Verse 13 says, Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. The Lord is with you. God is saying to them, the Lord is with them. There's no reason to fear because when my presence is with you, where my presence goes, victory goes. Where my presence goes, victory goes. Amen. So if you look at, let's look at Haggai 2. Let's look at Haggai 2. So in Haggai 2, they had begun to rebuild the temple. They got refocused and got back to work. So in the second year of the king of Darius, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came, came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. The older generation had become discouraged because they knew what the temple before looked like. And they were comparing. They were comparing what this new construction of this new temple looked like versus the old. And so if you go back to the book of Ezra in the third chapter, you'll read where those who were young, they rejoiced at the building of the temple, but the older heads, they weeped. They weeped because they remembered what was the former. They remembered what was the former. And so they were comparing, and it seemed like this temple did not measure up. It seemed like there was no glory in this temple. Verse 3 says, does it look like nothing? In that second clause, does it seem like nothing? The Lord has sent his messenger Haggai to encourage the people because sometimes we need encouragement on this journey. Sometimes things don't look like they ought to look and we get discouraged and we get sidetracked and we lose focus because in our narrow minds, we can't understand how something is going to work. God, you gave me this word. You told me to do this. You told me to keep your commandments and be obedient. But Father, this isn't really panning out because of the way something looks and because we sometimes compare our situation to the situation of other people. It seems like they're moving forward. It seems like they're advancing, God, but what about me? Now, you spoke a word at the beginning. That word didn't change. We have to remain focused, and we have to remain on track. So this is the Lord's response in verses 4 through 9. Verses 4 through 9. He tells the people to be strong three times. Three times he speaks and says, be strong. This is the Lord's response when things are critical when things are messed up when things don't seem right be strong because there is a greater glory to come 
See, they didn't realize that the new temple had a greater glory. Okay, this is what the Lord, uh, the Lord replied with. I am with you in the fourth verse. He says, I am with you. Okay. He says, I will fill this house with glory. Okay. So what that means is that God is present doing this work. Okay. This means that it has his seal of approval. So regardless of what it looks like to you, there is a glory that is greater that you're going to see. So if you stick with the situation, if you stick with what the Lord has told you to do, you're going to experience a greater glory. But we cannot lose focus. We can't lose focus on our purpose. We can't lose focus on what God has given us to do. If the Lord has told you to start that business, you start it. You're wondering where the capital is going to come from. So you remain stagnant and you don't do what the Lord has called you to do. Don't look at the situation. Look at the glory that's going to come because it's something that God has ordained. So go ahead and anticipate God's glory in situations. Because when you anticipate his glory, that thing propels you forward. It moves you forward despite fear. Because fear is there sometimes. Sometimes we do stuff and fear is right there in our face and we still can move forward. It doesn't mean that it's not going to come. It doesn't mean that the weapon won't form, but the weapon doesn't have to prosper. So what is your posture? Is it going to be a posture of worship before the Lord? God, I trust you. God, I don't see clear, God. Lord, I can't see this path, God, but I still trust you because this is your will and this is what you spoke. This is what you spoke. So when your situation has God's seal of approval... There's no reason to allow fear to get the best of you. The Lord is with you. This is what his word says. Be strong. Be strong. Okay. So we're going to go back to Ezra. We're walking through this thing. Go back to Ezra 5. Go to Ezra 5. So if you look at Ezra 5, in the first verse, you'll see that it says that now Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the prophet, a descendant of Edo, prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. So we just, we read about what Haggai's prophecy entailed. We went to the book of Haggai and we read about that. Okay. Now in the fifth verse, it says, but the eye of their God was watching over the elders of the Jews as they were not stopped until a report could go to Darius as his written reply be received. So what has happened here is that because of the word of the Lord and because their hearts were renewed and encouraged, they got back to work. They became focused again. They heard from the Lord. Their hearts were convicted. They got back to work. And so sometimes when we fall by the wayside, there's an opportunity for redemption and for God's grace to work in our lives if we allow it. And we can get back on track. Okay, we can get back on track. So they got back on track, okay? And then, you know, we got another tattletale that shows up. Another tattletale. So, and befittingly, his name is Tatanai, the tattletale is what I call him as I was reading. So Tatanai, the tattletale, came and showed up and saw that the people were walking in obedience to the Lord, regardless of the enemies around them, regardless of the fact that a decree had been given by the previous king that they were to stop working they were to stop working on the temple these folk got back to work they say look here man we got to do what the lord said or we're gonna be in trouble so they got back to work 
Okay, and so then what happens is Tatanata Tattel shows up and he said, who authorized y'all to do this? Okay, if you look at the, um, the third verse, that second part of the third verse, who authorized you to rebuild this temple and to finish it? What are the names of those people constructing this building? He is nosy. But the eye of their God was watching over the elders of the Jews, and they were not stopped. The eye of God was watching over them. God was with them, okay? God was with them, okay? So you can't stop the Lord's work. The enemy can't hold them. Um, they responded in faith, and they responded with transparency, okay? They told them everything that had happened, why they were doing what they were doing, okay? And so Darius gave them a response. And so here Tatanata Tattletail thinks he's getting them into trouble. But listen to what the Lord does. He touches the heart of the king. So if you look at the sixth, verse, the sixth chapter, and I'm not going to read all of that. In the sixth chapter, um, what happens is Darius goes and he verifies the account. And he sees that it's true. He checks the records and there is record to be found. And he sees that it's true. Okay, so this is his response. He tells them, hey, leave them alone. And while you at it, give them what they need to help this temple be built. The Lord will shut your enemies up and then make them open their hands and their pockets to you. But you got to be steadfast and unmovable. The Lord will make your enemies your footstool so you don't have to fear them. You don't have to fear the naysayers. You don't have to feel Fear failure, okay? God, God will use people in high places to be a blessing to you. People in high places to bless your business ventures, to bless your ministry, ministry when you seek to honor and obey the Lord, okay? So another thing that we have to do is we got to stay out of the land of what ifs, okay? So when you dwell in the land of the what ifs in regards to a mandate that the Lord has given you, then that means you're doubting God and you're doubting his power, okay? Um, that means that you are considering the possibility of God's word not coming to bear in your situation. You're, you are considering that, okay? So you're considering the possibility of failure. But God, what if this happens? What if that doesn't line up? What if that doesn't work out? Lord, I hadn't gotten that call yet. Are you sure, God? God, I don't think so. I think I'm going to sit this one out. Mm -mm. That's not what he said. That's not a posture of worship and obedience. That's not a posture of surrender to the Lord. So you've got to understand that, that, that faith is not going to make sense to your flesh. Faith is not going to make sense to your flesh and the carnal, and the carnal part of you. It's not going to make sense. Okay. You got to move past what seems logical to you and what seems tangible to you. And you got to bless the Lord for the miraculous. Move beyond what seems logical to you and what seems tangible and bless the Lord for the miraculous. About five, probably about five, five and a half years ago, um, Kent and I were looking to purchase a house. Um, and... There were some things that just weren't right with the credit situation, some things that had happened and taken place, and we, there was some rebuilding that had to take place. And it was a scary situation, and it was a fearful situation. And there were nights that I shed a lot of tears. And so 
there was a house that our realtor took us to look at. And typically she says, I don't take people to look for houses um, that they are not pre-approved for, for an amount they're not pre-approved for. But, you know, the way God does things doesn't make sense. So we went to look at this house, and the house was priced at a certain amount way, 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 way above what we could afford. And initially, when I looked at the house, I liked it. And Kent was like, mm, that looked kind of small. I don't know about that. You know, he was just looking at the picture. All he could see was the picture in front of him. So then when we got to the house, he was like, this, this, this is nice. This is the one. We ain't got no money, though. We ain't got no pre-approval. So, yeah, that's, that's, how is that going to work? So we went home, and, you know, our realtor was like, yeah, that's why I don't bring people. I just, that's what I told you. I told you I don't bring people to see houses. They are not pre-approved for. Um, but she didn't know the God I served. So we went home, and we prayed about that thing, and some time had passed, and we were working on some stuff with our credit, and somebody put an offering on that house. So it appeared that that was not God's will. It appeared that that's not what God wanted for us. So we moved on, and I said, well, you know, Lord, if it's your will, it'll happen. And if it's not, it won't. And I was talking to my aunt on the phone one day, and she said something to me that stuck with me to this day, that faith is not supposed to make sense. It's not going to make sense to you. Okay, when you, when you look at it from your mind, it won't make sense because this is God doing. It's God's doing it. So, um... My mom suggested I put in an offer. Um, this is prior to an offer being made. Put in an offer. And I said, well, no, I'm not doing that. That doesn't make sense because that's a really low offer, and they're going to think that's ridiculous. It's not a really good idea, Mom. Not good. Not going to do that. It was $70, below asking. Right. It was $70,000 below asking price. Okay. So we did it anyway. We put the offer in. <laughs> And our realtor was like, are y'all serious? <laughs> yeah, we serious. This is, it's a faith walk. You don't understand. It's a faith walk. So we did it. Um, the offer was rejected. So it appeared as if that was not the Lord's will. Okay? That wasn't the Lord's will for our lives. So we went on about our business. Then after that, an offer was put in on the house. How many of you know that the, the, offer, um, the offer that the people put in, they withdrew the offer? So the house was back on the market. Not only was it back on the market, but it had dropped like $40,000. Okay. So then the realtor called us, and we were like, oh, well, you know, we're we not pre-approved for even that amount. So what are we going to do about that? So she was like, well, let me call somebody. So she called this, uh, this lone person, and then the lady ran some numbers, and she called us. And she was like, guess what, y'all? Y'all ain't going to believe this, but y'all been approved for... <laughs> For not just that amount, but more than the amount. <laughs> so, and on the phone with the lady, this lady was a believer, so we began to rejoice together. We began to rejoice together. She was like, see, that's what happens when you pay your tithes. Pay your offering. And I said, let me find out this lady knows something about the word of God. That thing had blessed me real good that day. And so I said all that to say that sometimes when we lose faith and when we get sidetracked, and we forget who the God is that we serve, it can cause us to doubt because of what a situation appears to be. 
because the situation is not logical, because it doesn't make sense, and this can't happen this way, because I can't tangibly look at these numbers and these figures and make them work. We serve a God that is greater. He is a good God. He is a magnificent God, and he can do anything but fail. So if he can do anything but fail, he doesn't want you to fail. In spite of what a situation looks like, sometimes you feel like you are walking around in complete darkness, feeling around, trying to figure out where to go and what's next, feeling alone. But we are not alone. He's always with us. He told the Jews, he said, look, I'm with you. The Lord is with you. This is the word that he said to Haggai. He's with you. You can't give up. You have got to do the work of the Lord, what God has called you to do. So you can't live in the, in the land of what ifs. What if this and what if that, God? You got to do what he said. Do not go into a situation expecting to fail. Go in faith. When the Lord has told you to do something, go in faith. This is the life I live on a daily basis, reminding myself that I have to go in faith because fear often overwhelms me. No lie. It often overwhelms me. I find myself getting choked up. And, you know, sometimes, you know, fear and anxiety manifest itself from a physiological standpoint. So sometimes you get those butterflies in your stomach. You get your sweat glands, get the overworking a little too much. Your heart gets to beating real fast. Then I have to remind myself that the God that I serve and the spirit of God that lives on the inside of me and how when he has commissioned me to do something, he's going to strengthen me to do that thing. So even even in the face of fear, despite the fear, I got to keep pushing and keep moving, even when it's hard. And I feel like I want to throw up and my heart's beating so fast. I still got to go. I was put in a situation a couple weeks ago. I. I mean, that really put me outside my comfort zone. And I really had to ask the Lord, now, you, you want me to do this? Because <laughs> I, I couldn't see myself doing it. It's like, that, that's not, that ain't what I usually do. So, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't look, it doesn't feel right. But the Lord blessed it because it was his will. I pushed through it anyway and did it anyway. Moved outside my comfort zone because there was a glory that belonged to the Lord. And it didn't belong to me. So fear makes you focus on yourself and say what you can't do and where you're not capable of and where this can't go. But you have to realize and you have to recognize that when God is involved, victory is already there. You're just waiting on it to manifest. You're waiting on the manifestation of his victory. So all you got to do is push through and get to the end, and he's already there. And you've already won. You just got to take the steps, one foot in front of the other. So even when things look bad or they look rocky, know that God can turn a situation around. He can work stuff out in your sleep. You go to sleep and it's not worked out. You wake up and it's done. It's done. It's done. The scripture says this. The word says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. 
to them who are called according to his purpose, his work, his purpose. God wants the people of God, and the Lord said this to me this morning in prayer. He wants the people of God to be steadfast and unmovable. Be steadfast. Be steadfast. Don't look at your situation. Be steadfast and unmovable. Stand on the word of God. Stand on what you know to be true about the character of God. He doesn't want you to fail, okay? Always about abounding. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Your labor will not be in vain. There is already victory. So we have to maintain, and we're standing. We're getting ready to close. We're standing. Um, we have to maintain a posture of worship and obedience in the face of fear. Okay? Even in the face of opposition. When there was a, a spirit of discouragement, we got to rebuke that thing and we got to move forward. We got to move forward. We got to push and we have to remain focused.